listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 367. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, to discuss the series finale of the German Netflix series, Dark. And eh, kind of bittersweet, you know? Uh, got a lot to say about the ending. and Absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, I, we, we knew it, it was going to be like, you know, we knew we'd, we'd get to this point and we'd have all kinds of uh you know mixed emotions about this but uh yeah this is definitely a, a show we put a lot of uh of time and emotional energy into so you know while it is it, it's sad to see it go it's also you know like you said good to to go out on your own terms and and to have a i'm gonna put air quotes around this resolution to everything yeah, and I hesitate to use the phrase once in a decade series because, you know, maybe that's overstating it a bit, but we we don't run across this kind of a show that generates this kind of fan interest and, and investigation, you know, the way Fred and so many other viewers got into. And, and of course, in his feedback, he's a little disheartened over uh, <laughs> one of his investigations, but we'll get to that. Uh- Cheer up, Fred. It's your birthday, my friend. Yeah. So happy birthday. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, well, dude, we got tons to talk about. So let's get into it. Dark episode 308, The Paradise, written by Yante Frisia, directed by Baron Bo Odar. And dude, we found out Wyndon is an island. It's next to France. And <laughs> they were all in purgatory the whole time. It, yes. In a church. In a church. And, uh, yeah. So on uh on a ancient earth exactly all right anyway <laughs> you know we've said uh a number of times before and i don't know about you because we haven't really talked before we started recording that we generally don't read a lot about the episode we're going to talk about we don't watch a lot of the uh, youtube videos that explain an episode or explain an ending and i purposely did not watch anything because uh, you know, I, I think while the two of us maybe were not uh, Stephen Hawking smart, we're pretty smart. So, sure. <laughs> you know, we were able to take a lot out of this episode. And well, I wanted to come at it in, in my own and, and not, you know, just recycle ideas that I'd read from other people. So I didn't even like read the listener feedback until after I'd watched the episode twice and taken notes on it and everything. Right. And, yeah, and of course, I finally got to uh, watch the video link um, that Dan sent us a few weeks back. But Oh, right. I forgot about that. I got to go do that. You know, I did see a lot of headlines, and, and I guess I feel like it's somewhat counterproductive to get hung up on the mechanics of how everything plays out. <laughs> Right. <laughs> how Claudia figures out how to break the knot. I mean, there are a lot of plot holes we just can't fill. And and, sure. and you said it, if it wasn't last week, it was the week before, that this is about the characters. This is about their lives and their relationships. And yes, all of the time travel stuff is cool and it does play into the things we see, but that's not all there is by any stretch. Well, it's just so funny that we spent so much time talking about worrying about these little details about like time travel and how all these things are going to be relevant and whose motivation is what and everything. And ultimately, in the end, it's like something from completely else. Right. I mean, the ending and the resolution, if you 
want to call it a resolution, I don't want to say it's simple, but it's relatively straightforward and outside of figuring out who survived, because I think it's pretty clear why those individuals survived. You know, right. we had to look at the at the family trees a little bit. Um, you know, it's like, okay, he had, okay, so he's out or she's out. Okay, but outside of that, it was fairly straightforward, but doesn't take anything away from the enjoyment we had for three seasons here. It's funny because one thing I did read today, um, listen, interview with uh, Yante Frisia and Baron Bodar. Uh, I believe Yante Frisia said that, you know, people think it's easy to to write the finale if you already know what you're going to do, right? If you've had a plan for everything all along. And she said she thought it was actually harder to to write it and, and that it was because they had to, you know, they had so many details, they had to make sure they got it right and that everything jived together. Whereas if you're just kind of like, dare I say, supernaturaling it um, and kind of going from week to week, apparently, then um, you, you have a lot more leeway there and, and uh, a lot more freedom. Right. And, and certainly you've, I'm sure, told your students over the years, as I've told mine many times, unless the author specifically says, this is what that means, then it's open to interpretation. And obviously there sure. are legitimate interpretations and, and non-legitimate ones. But, you know, with Dark, there are just so many things that you can look at and interpret in different ways. So this is going to be the way the two of us see this. You know, we get that opening scene with Michael Conwald sealing the letter. And, and you know, we've seen this before, although I think, you know, the angles were a bit different. But the voiceover, every journey has a beginning but yours has no end. And then, of course, Jonas wakes from what appears to be a, a bad dream. And I'm wondering, again, again, does this imply that a loop, not necessarily the loops we just encountered, but that there is a loop still in place? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. I, there's definitely. And, and Ava um, uh, reinforces that later when she basically says, you know, we've done this an infinite amount of times you know you've done this an infinite amount of times and then you know when when adam flips the script on her, she's just like whoa whoa whoa, whoa hey, hey 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 so like this is this whole thing is you know a, a loop and that's what ava has been protecting all along right but what i'm getting at to- is after they break the knot is there a new loop Oh. That's set in oh, motion. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, let's talk about that when we get to the last scene. Okay. Right? All right. Now, I- I'm thinking about you the whole time I'm watching the first 20 minutes because I it, it was, oh. I don't want to say driving me crazy, but it, just nothing but voiceover. Yeah. And I'm thinking show, don't tell. And right. if there's anything that Dark has been guilty of, I, I really do believe that it, a little bit too much voiceover. Yes, yes, indeed. But, but of course, when I was watching it, I'm like, okay, well, what could they do to, I guess, get this information out outside of, you know, basically another episode? Right. But you know? but if you have to explain it to me in those terms, 
I don't want to say then something's wrong, but uh, you know. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I, I am, as you well know, I am, you know, strenuously opposed to the voiceover. I think in like 90% of the time it's done, as you said, in a, a, a to avoid using cinematography and filming techniques to transmit the information you're trying to transmit. Right. It's very facile way of, of doing information. Right. Now, you know, one of the things that occurs to me as I'm processing everything I've just seen and, and going back to the previous 20 whatever episodes on the one hand, I think as a viewer, I'm sitting there. All right. Are you telling me, what I just watched for 27 episodes or whatever never happened. And that these characters that I've come to really feel part of don't actually exist. Well, that's not fair, but then I, I kind of look at it like, well, is dark an allegory? Is it about things like individual fate, free will, how much, and if we can even control our fate. And when, when you look at the whole title of the series, Dark, and, and we get some voiceovers and some dialogue about that, the whole theme, as we've talked several times about secrets and honesty, um, I, I'm really going with the whole allegory situation with, with Dark. I, I really think it, we can look at it from those terms. Yeah, I agree. I, I think we had talked about this uh, before. I can't recall how long before, but just the idea of, and I think I had said where I was just kind of, I, I kind of had it with the, you know, all the, the, the time traveling and this person's lying to you and that person's lying to you and all this stuff. And it just seems like ultimately, you know, what, what meaning can we make of all this? Well, it, I think if, if we get, hung up on all the timey-wimey parts of it, then ultimately it's going to be dissatisfying because you're just going to say, well, they just came up with some deus ex machina or whatever to, you know, to, to resolve everything. But when you look at it, I, I agree with you. If this is a show that makes a statement about humanity, right? And ultimately what it boils down to is two people and their commitment to one another i guess and then they're you know working together to to do the right thing and to set things straight right their willingness to sacrifice themselves and the connection even though the two at the end didn't really have the connection that they started with there was still that connection but but yeah exactly and and you know that that theme of reconciliation at the end with tan house's son uh just you know really some really beautiful scenes in this episode that was a great scene yeah yeah you know but at the same time throughout the series that whole idea of the darkness of men's hearts and, and what people are willing to do in certain situations and of course the character that comes to mind immediately is ulrich and and some of the things we saw him do and and Watching this episode the first time, 
I wasn't exactly sure why they inserted the episode, uh, the scenes with Ulrich and right. Helga, both young child Helga and, and older Helga. But, but then as I really started seeing the episode and, and the series in a different light, it, it makes perfect sense why they showed that because here is a character that is just willing to do the unthinkable. And and you know I, I forget who it is. It's well, it's 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 slightly less unthinkable when it's older Helge. You know, like it it's tough to watch him. You know, smashing the rock in the into the kid's head. That that's pretty tough to watch. But when we put Helge as a grown man, and you know he looks at the the um, the bunker and realizes. What's going on? I mean, I find Ulrich's anger there completely justifiable. I'm almost on board with him. But, of course, he doesn't finish the job in, in either in either world, well, and which ultimately leads to his, his death in this world. Right. Well, well that's certainly true. I, I guess, you know, you said you understand his anger, of course, but are we justifying what amounts to vigilantism and, and taking the law into your own hands and okay, it's Winden, but still, right. Uh, but, uh, and he is the law. Well, so. yeah, well, that's true. That, that is right. true. Which is, that's, that's not even, uh, something to say, especially in, in this, in this day and age. I, I did not at all mean to imply that because he's a police officer that he is, um, he is, has carte blanche to use, um, force and to and to kill another person that i that i i should have said that i apologize for that but um you know what i i i just mean is just like we're kind of on board with that you know like what's horrific watching him try to kill the child helge um it's less so when we know that hell because he, that 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 child helge was innocent as well at that, he hadn't done anything but the middle-aged Helge, well, he killed Mads, and and he admits it later, and so he kind of, I mean, he doesn't, I mean, he, he kind of gets what he deserves, you know, or I guess deserves what he gets. Right, and I, I guess one of the things that occurs to me, you know, about all of that is that, in a sense, we do see that Ulrich does pay for his actions through sure. being, you know, confined in the, you know, yeah, uh, both worlds, right, right, right. So, you know, there there are there are consequences for his actions. But, for but sure. he's also one of the one of the few characters they didn't kill off. So I guess they had to finish him off, right? You know. Well, although he, I guess, is not going to survive into the uh, the origin world, and and you know, it just since I mentioned the origin world, I, you know, I did like the way they wrap things up and, and I'm going to mention Dan's uh, email feedback, you know, when we get to that section, but, but it's something that he sent us way back and neither of us at that point had seen the whole series. And, and he's got this six minute YouTube video that really nicely explains everything. But, you know, when we learn in this episode that it was, Tanhouse's attempt to go back in time 
and save his son and his son's family and it was an accident of course we speculated that maybe this is going to turn out to be something like counterpart that there was a some sort of a scientific accident and the world split but here it created two new worlds in addition to the origin world it's just that we hadn't you know seen anything in the origin world before well we had I called it, remember? Because I said, I think this is a third world. But I just didn't understand. Oh, I didn't know that it was a world that gave birth to the other two worlds. I just thought it was straight up a a third world. Oh, right. right. The one where we see townhouse building, you know. Right. Okay. Right. Um, So, you know, once we, you know, think about it in those terms, okay. But if the idea is to sever the knot and get rid of those two worlds that were created out of this accident, then everybody that we've come to know and love and hate is going to cease to exist. And again, it's one of those things, well, did they exist or didn't they exist? And, and I guess I feel as if they did exist. And I'll go back to the end of the episode when Jonas and Martha materialize in the middle of the road. It's at night, it's raining. And dude, I don't know about you, but I thought, oh my God, are they going to cause the accident that kills Tannhaus's no. uh, son? And, right. and, and Yeah, and they're, they're, you're right. There was a moment there when, when you thought that, that maybe that was what was going to happen. Right, but then when we think and and i can't remember again who it is that verbalizes it might be jonas but you know asking the question after we're gone will it even be that we existed at all and and i guess i i look at it from the standpoint that tanhouse's son saw what he feels were two angels right so He's not far off they, there. They probably. did exist, and they will exist in his son's memory, unless somebody is going to come up with some reasoning why, well, now that those two worlds are gone, he didn't actually see anybody. There was No, I don't No, I'm not going there. No, nah, I, I mean, they, they did. For that, that moment, at least, you know, they did exist there. And, you know, in addition, when we see Hannah at the end, they're, they're clearly, I mean, obviously when she says she's going to name the child Jonas, she looks at the yellow jacket and she, you know, she just has this, like, she, like it's a sense that she can't put her finger on it, but she knows she, she, something is, is there, something is happening, you know, that, that she, she is not necessarily remembering things, but she's experiencing some sort of I don't know awareness. I guess. Yeah. Well, well, she calls it a deja vu, but but just like you said, right. it, 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 I've often used the term bleed through, as if that she's got some sort of remnant of a memory that she shouldn't have, but she does. And right. whether or not that yellow raincoat is actually hanging over that chair, we don't really know. Is it just her seeing that? Oh yeah, right because we don't see any of the other 
characters. I mean, this goes back to Haunting on Hill House, how we determine yeah. what was real and what was somebody's hallucination. So I, I love the fact that we don't get an answer there. And the, and the fact that she's going to name this baby Jonas, oh, okay, but it's not the Jonas that we know. It's just a baby that she's having with Woller. And unless we feel like we're in some crazy loop, it's clearly not the same Jonas. I mean, it's not going to have the same father. Right. right. So true. Now, now speaking of Waller, dude, <laughs> did you love <laughs> the guy just never gets a chance to tell his story. Oh my God. Now, now <laughs> we, we throw the phrase fan service around a fair amount, uh, you know, in, in, you know, when we talk about television, when we write about television and, and I think writers are right to do things when it's appropriate to service the fans. Right. I, I don't know how that could have been done any more perfectly. It was, that was so, it was, it was great. Well, first of all, he doesn't, you know, he's, he's got both arms, he's got both eyes, but they, they still say, Oh, what happened to your eye? Like, Oh, well, let me tell you. And you know, then something happens. Uh, the, the story is interrupted for a, a third time. So yeah, that was, that was great. Is the final scene, you know, this dinner party, I mean, the title of the episode is The Paradise, and we're certainly left with the understanding that we are in the origin world. What does that really mean? Does that mean it's the real world, or is this heaven? Is this paradise? I mean, probably not, but I I, I think we certainly have to, you know... Think about it in those well, terms. Well, yeah, because yeah, like Ellie had, who, by the way, we, we saw nothing of in this episode at all, right? Um, because she doesn't and, exist. And that's another thing. Well, well, right, but she, she did well, until right, right. the end, you know? But, and, th- and there's characters here we just don't see at all, right? Like Noah does not come back. We don't see Ellie again. Um, now, we could say the last episode, we got a lot of them. So, you know, that was maybe the kind of their send off was in the uh, episode seven. But, you know, she had this vision of paradise that Noah told her, this, you know, this place where no one will die and everyone will be happy and you'll, you know, you'll see your pets and all that stuff. And, and obviously that was like something that did not actually exist in, in any way, shape, or form. It was just like a, a story that was told to her to, to soothe her and to kind of, you know, for, for her to be able to deal with the suffering of, of her life, you know, which is manifold. But uh, so, you know, what we ultimately, if, if this is the paradise at the end, then we can say the paradise is that these, you know, all these cycles not that obviously human suffering has ended because you know that is never going to change, but at least this this cycle of suffering and pain that has engulfed everyone who is descended from the origin that is finally over, and people can live their lives. You know, maybe paradise is now free will can actually exist again, and we see for the first time. Adam, Jonas, whatever, finally gets it right. You know, finally does something that changes things. Yeah, and I think we do have to say at this point that it's Adam that makes the change. 
and, and you know, we get that great scene with, with Eva where he's got the gun and she raises it up to her chest and she pulls the trigger when he doesn't and then it clicks. And uh, again, my first thought is, all right, it's one of those deals like before that you know Jonas can't kill himself. And then he shows that he's got the bullets in his hand, drops them on the floor. Yeah. And, and it, she's just freaked out because he changed things. And, right. you know, on the one hand, again, I forget who says it. I think it's old Claudia that everything Martha and Adam do at a certain level is out of love, but it's also out of self-interest. And at the end, he's the one that's willing to break that chain. And uh, of course, once I th- well, he gets her on board too. Well, he does. Because right. it's got to be both of them, right? Right. And once the shock you know, hits her, that, that great scene where Eva and Adam, they, they lean in and touch foreheads. And, and mm-hmm. again, just another one of the many beautiful scenes in this episode. But as you said, it is going to take both of them, their younger versions, to you know break this knot and return the origin world to what it's supposed to be. And like you said, the paradise isn't necessarily this place where there's no pain and there's no suffering but but this little dinner party it's kind of a a a, a cheerier atmosphere than we've ever seen yes in dark i mean my god katarina is smiling and laughing right yeah and yeah everyone there is smiling and laughing and we haven't seen any of them do that ever i don't know i'm trying to think of anyone smiled at any time Right. And I wasn't sure. I, I tried to look. It, it appears that Katerina is pregnant as well. But it, it was a little I wasn't sure if it was what she was wearing. And, you know, even though the, the atmosphere was so much cheerier and, and more brightly lit than we're used to, it was still difficult to get a gauge on that. But she's at the dinner party solo, as is Regina. You know, so whatever that means, that's what it means. But obviously, Peter is she though? I mean, uh, well, Peter's with Bernadette. Is he though? Well, I yeah, okay. I mean, I don't know. Like, I was kind of you know, I I okay. It wasn't clear, I guess, to me. Like, and and certainly, I I, I would think that he was with Bernadette, but um, I don't know. It seemed like. He was kind of like turned towards, you know, Katarina with his back towards Burton. So I don't know. Okay. Maybe they're all three together. Yeah. I, okay. I don't know. All right. Well, it did appear Regina was solo. It is Europe. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's that's our go to when we <laughs> when we can't explain. Ah, that's must be what they do in yeah, Europe. Right. So um, Yes, Regina definitely seems like she is there uh solo. Right. Now, you know, one of the things we talked about Which means Alexander doesn't exist. Why wouldn't Alexander exist? Um, you know, again, that's one of those things that you have to sit down with with pencil and paper and, you know, I I started doing it for a, a little bit and Silja was a child of Hannah and Egon, right? So she's gone yes. 
because that right. that was I mean it's it's based on and and they are fairly clear about why people survive and why they don't and and it has to do with if you are born of time travel or that time travel played yeah. a, a significant role so then you know if Silge's gone uh then there's no Hanno and Agnes um anybody that was uh, a descendant of Agnes is gone right, which is Magnus Mickle right Mickle Mads yeah. Ulrich Martha yeah right the Conwald clan you know is gone uh, i yeah. mean obviously hannah survives because she wasn't a conwald by birth but you know charlotta is, is gone right so again that that's one of those things that that you know you can um there's probably tons of articles and videos out there that'll explain all that but but again i they make it fairly clear in in the explanation right but that's what i'm saying like alexander wasn't well, Alexander, a descendant of any of those people. Okay, so like the so like he could. I mean, he should exist in this world, but of course, like what you know led him to be in Winden in 1987. I think could I guess maybe that didn't happen. So you know, he didn't kill someone. He wasn't involved with this. He didn't escape to Winden and didn't meet. Regina. Okay, and, and and that may or may not be true. I mean, he could be in Winden escaping. You know, the the uh, or maybe he just couldn't make dinner that night. Well, he, but but he was but, busy working. But the thing is, remember the meeting he has in the woods with uh, Regina is he comes to her aid when Ulrich oh, and Katarina are correct. are bullying her, and there is no Ulrich. There's still Katarina, though. Okay, but we but there's no Ulrich. We can't and say the reason that, she was pissed, right? So we can't at, say that right. for sure. So that maybe he yeah. he's in Winden, he just doesn't cross paths, right? Right. So well done. We kind of danced around the watch thing, and, and I know Fred, and 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 I'll let Fred speak for himself and his feedback about the watch <laughs> thing. I, you know, he's very frustrated and, about the and, watch. Well, again, though, I I think it is an important symbol it does recur throughout is it simply you know i i guess a a literal symbol of time and and if that's the case well, yeah yeah well, okay and and if it's not any deeper than that okay i guess well it's it's also the the hereditary nature of time as well because the watch is passed down right true true right um and like well it, and and i was thinking watching this is well maybe the one watch that's different is because it is exists in the origin world, and the other one exists in the 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 split world, one of the split worlds. Right, but I I'm just throwing that out there. I didn't think about that very hard. So well, well, the other you know we've got the the medallions, the the Fennig, and more importantly, I think the Saint Christopher medal, and and we've certainly talked about the religious imagery throughout the series and, and again i i think that hovers over everything uh, what's the true meaning beyond saint christopher as the patron saint of travelers it, it, it's right. it's got to be more than that i hope um <laughs> well again I, I i think it just speaks to this idea of of 
you know, something uh, of this generational nature, the cyclical nature uh, of time itself, and how something as unlikely its passage from one person to the next. It's this very kind of fatalistic sense that you know that 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 thing is going to end up with Marta, uh, you know, no matter what, despite its its very uh, twisted kind of journey to to get from uh, Egon to to Marta, right? Right. And, and you used the J word, and and I mean, I, I think the whole idea of a journey connected to the Saint Christopher Medal and the patron saint of travelers certainly could work in terms. Yeah, when of, you said that, I was like, what what J word did I say? I was, like, <laughs> was there a bad J word? Oh my! I, but maybe there's bad word for almost any letter, I oh, guess. You know what? I'm glad I forgot not to, you know, derail the discussion here. I was ready to drop multiple f bombs at the beginning of the discussion because when I went out to grocery shop today, it was the first day I just encountered so many irresponsible people in, ter- oh, in terms really? of mask wearing and yeah well you know you're in carroll county so uh, I'm just, just saying all right um <laughs> now now the other thing about travelers what about the bus stop because we see that in so many situations right. yeah, yeah, and yeah. what is a bus stop but a way station and i know i jokingly said about at the beginning of the discussion about oh they were all in purgatory which is an obvious reference to lost and ah, I know. Oh, ah, oh, ah, alert, alert, alert. <laughs> um, and, and I'm certainly not implying that I think when we watched those two groups of people in Winden and Alt Winden that they were in purgatory, but they kind of were in a sense, you know, whether self-imposed or I, I, I don't know, but, but. I, I just really can't get a, a, a good handle on what I think that bus stop symbolizes. I mean, it, it, it is this way station, you know, where, where these people, uh, you, it's almost like, I mean, we have seen characters sitting in the bus stop. Uh, of course, we, we saw sure. most recently uh, young Peter Doppler when he comes to Wyndon for the first time as a, you know, I don't know, 22 year old or whatever he is. And, and we saw, uh, teenage Ulrich and younger Hannah that one time back in, I don't know, season one or whatever. But a lot of times it's just kind of there as if it's this intersection, this, this uh, I don't know, uh, this, this point in between that. Uh, so I don't know. I'm just going to throw that out there. I, I don't know exactly what it means, but it's got to mean something. Well, you know, I, I kind of like this idea of um, of of you know the, the bus stations, this way stations, kind of like a purgatorial type of of place because we certainly get that that aspect of, of this of these two worlds and as a place that they they have to you know, wash out their quote-unquote sins in order to return to the paradise, which is, again, if we're, you know, going with our metaphor from before, like this, the, you know, return to the actual origin world. I, I think it was, I don't know, if, did you ever see the movie Defending Your Life? 
I did with uh, Albert with Brooks. Albert Brooks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I just feel like it's been ages since I've seen it, but I feel like they had like a, a similar kind of thing going where like Purgatory was like a, I, I can't remember if it was a bus station per se, but I just remember him being like kind of like a big, like waiting, like sitting in chairs and rows, like like as if they're at a bus station. So anyway, so maybe the Yanta uh, uh, Frisia and Baron Bowardark, uh, you know, maybe got that idea from Defend Your Life, but I like it. Okay. Um, you know, one of the other things that, that bugs me um, is about old Claudia and, you know, Adam is shocked that, she's alive i killed you i'm like okay you know how is she still alive well i i had you killed there's okay fine difference well true but got some deniability but still her answer you still don't know how the game is played and i'm like oh what kind of answer is that all right whatever (laughs) but it doesn't matter what what confuses me is why does it have to be Jonas and Martha that go back to the origin world? Claudia, you've said you figured all this out. Yeah. So why didn't you just do it? Yeah, why don't you go back there and just say, hey, stay home. All right, I'm done. See ya. So now, okay, I, I guess because... Well, maybe she tried. You know, maybe she tried and, and you know... Well, you know, and, and the, the universe required uh, an act by, you know, Jonas and Martha. Right. Um, and and we do know that the origin that we have heard about over the past few episodes with the child that Martha carries, and, and of course we learned last time that it's actually the the unknown. We had been calling them the cleft lip trio, and and of course we knew right away that they were all the same person, just at different stages right. of life. So, okay, I, I guess it had something to do with that, but. You know, still, once they're in that vortex or whatever, you know, before they they take care of what they have to take care of, that that scene where they each see their younger selves, and Uh we see her looking in her closet as, I don't know, you know, you're a better judge of age on little kids. What is she, like six, seven, something like that? I mean, they both look about that. No, not that old. Not that old. yeah, I'm, I think like four or five, but I don't know. So, and and she clearly sees something her mother doesn't see. So, right. what is that all about? And, and it's the same with him. You know, we see uh, Michael, his father, you know, with him as well, and and his father says, "No, there's there's no little girl there." Yeah, but I, I think it also it, it speaks to this uh, this invisible thread that connects the two that you know has they've been talking about since you know season one episode one with uh you know the whole ariadne uh motif going through here and you know that that i guess like marta is ariadne and and jonas is theseus and that they are connected by this 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 bond by this metaphysical bond you know, one thing before I forget, I, I like you, my notes are all over the place, and I'm I, so I've got one sheet here. I can't even read my own handwriting on on some of it. <laughs> but one of the things occurred to me, uh, you know, I, I sent you that message, and then of course we've kind of abandoned that because usually we have some sort of a 
an outline. And on the one hand, yeah, believe it or not, yeah, I know. <laughs> on the one hand, this episode breaks down to Adam and Eva come to an understanding, thanks to Claudia, and then Jonas and Martha untie the knot and save the world. And then one that I, you know, a, a shorter one. Yes, kids, it worked. I guess. And that scene yeah. after Tanhouse's son and daughter-in-law get back in their car and turn around because Jonas has said that, you know, the bridge is out so you can't cross it and thereby you can't have the accident that is going to end up killing you. And then the two of them are sitting there and wondering, well, I wonder if it worked. And I'm thinking, well, it's not raining. Of course it worked. Uh, And I mean that, you know, the the fact that it's suddenly not raining after we had this torrential downpour, I I feel is, is, is certainly, you know, the, uh, you know, kind of the clincher that, that lets us know that, yeah, it did work. And, and, and we don't, see the aftermath dark the sequel if we ever get it which i'm sure we will not but never say never um a lot of shows come back but i think we know it worked and and then when they get back to tan house's house slash shop i guess he must live upstairs she tells tan house's father that you know your son thinks he saw a pair of angels and he's like, don't mock me. And, you know, you wonder how much this incident is going to affect his life moving forward. Not that it's necessarily going to send him down this ultra-religious path that he suddenly becomes a believer when he wasn't before, but it's going to have an impact. And, and again, we've talked about the religious imagery throughout, and it just i think it can't be underestimated how much this incident means to him and and to be able to reconcile with his father after we see that scene where he's like ah, he's building all this crazy stuff yeah he knows einstein rose and bridges but who cares about that stuff and he I, I, you know i think as most viewers are probably thinking well Son, there's probably a ton of people that think your father is a genius, but right. but we understand that as a young man, maybe you feel like he never saw you for who you are and what you right. wanted to do, and and that's fine. That's a universal feeling. Um, I would just a you know a couple of things about the Adam and Eva storyline that uh, you know that maybe we haven't talked through uh, you know uh, you know that whole idea of how do we solve this problem well we prevent time travel from ever being invented in the first place and granted tanhouse is super motivated to time travel so he can go back and save his son and his daughter-in-law now that his son is safe to say that, well, time travel will never get invented because he doesn't have the motivation. You know, I guess, you know, it's almost like there there might always be something and somebody with his creative mind and and his curiosity. uh, So are, are we to believe then that that 
contraption we saw that that causes the split, which, by the way, after the third time I watched this episode, I'm like, oh, that's just like a giant version of the little brass orb, just kind of all expanded out. So are we to believe that now that never happens? Right. That he... Right. It's kind of like the, you know, what if Hitler had gotten into art school or whatever? I I don't know. That's I don't know something like that. I'm, I'm not sure exactly. But you know, it's like what, where are there like little things? Are there these 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 small moments of a person's life that that make a big deal? And, and without the motivation of the the death of his, because remember, it took him ages to build this, right? So you have to be like really motivated, right? Um, and to you know. Rec- to try and prevent the the death uh, of your your child and his wife and your granddaughter, that's that's significant motivation there. Like to to sustain that motivation over decades. Without it, you know, he just probably doesn't have the. You know, he might say, "Ah, you know, it'd be really cool to make a time machine." Like, ah, ah, you know, that's crazy. I don't have any reason to. There's no reason to create a time machine. You know, my family's all here, so. Um, so yeah, it's just this moment that it's, that it doesn't happen. The the world doesn't split, and you know, as Adam and Eve is a creation story, but in this case, Adam and Eva uh, is a destruction story, right? Well, right, like, it's kind a de- of. it's a destruction story that you know something is created out of the destruction, which then takes me back to that scene where Adam torches the uh the paintings of adam and eva and you know again out of fire is born something new and and oh we even saw the scene a couple episodes back when the unknown trio torched the whole place right so you know the whole idea and, and again they all must die so the others can live which on the one hand sounds kind of creepy and macabre but Again, when we get to the to the end, we we understand what it all means, and 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 again, I go back to what I've mentioned that my wife will say to me um, on more than one occasion. Uh, okay, so you're okay with time travel, vampires, and <laughs> zombies, but that character doing that bothers you. Yeah, and then I just tell her, yes. you just don't understand. Yes, it does. Yes. <laughs> um. Well, you know, you know, while we're talking about the the unknown or the origin, you know, I mean, just the, 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 there's certain things that, to me, he he was destroyed, right? He who Adam Jonas the the, the unknown. Oh well, oh yeah oh, yeah, yeah, yeah right. But so Adam kills the un the unknown before he's even born. He kills Martha. Correct. Right, and and he thinks, but yet, <laughs> okay, yeah, but he he doesn't do that Infinity War fade out, you know, like he he doesn't cease existing. Like I'm still not a hundred percent sure how like Adam's plan to kill the origin, and therefore, I mean, honestly, effectively doing, well, not really because 
I guess it's still the loop. I guess I guess that's it, because it's still the loop in their world. Like what they needed to do is what Adam failed to see is that the the origin was not in either his world or in Eva's world. Well, well, right, because he doesn't fully understand what's really happening at this point. It's like, oh, a third world. Now I see where you're going, Claudia. Oh, that makes sense. That explains a lot. Right. You really think about it? Right. But but as you said, he, he thinks that by killing Martha, that will take care of things. And, and of course, it doesn't. Uh, what would you think of the special effects once they break the knot? Oh, well, I mean, have you seen Infinity War? I have not. No, wait a minute. Okay. Yes, I have. But I don't remember it. Yeah. I was just waiting for someone to say, Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. Um, because uh, the uh, the the how each person blinks out is 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 very similar, and I guess it's going to be a thing that we're going to see from from here on out because it does give us a obviously it's able to dramatize that you know things people are are moving out of existence, but it also gives people a an opportunity for one last meaningful look or one last meaningful line before they are blinked out of existence and everything so well, it's cool like, I, but I, I found it, it was it's just like infinity war though so i'm just like eh. I, I i do wish they had found a, a different way but i you know when you're narratively what they're trying to accomplish it worked very well for that well that's what i thought and and again i i think we are cognizant of the fact that a show like dark doesn't have an infinity war budget I mean, the budget for Dark, it probably is less than catering for <laughs> for Infinity War uh, cast and crew. But sure. But that said, if if I look at it as an allegory, which I, I really feel like I'm I'm going to stick with that, then I think it was perfect, and it didn't feel cheesy. It was, and and each character that we saw blink out of existence. It's it's almost like they have that recognition of what's happening to them, even though they right. really shouldn't. I mean, the, the adult Jonas, aka the stranger, you know, we see him, but he he knows less than almost anybody. Right, right. And yet, uh, and yet, he seems very at peace with what's happening. Right. Yes. Yeah. I was just saying, is, would he know? But no, he wouldn't know this because they're off script, you know, because he is that Jonas that, that goes back to Tannhaus's world. But of course that never happened in, in his reality at all. Right. Right. So, Oh, it's by, by the way, it's Martha that says, do you think anything of us will remain is that what we are, a dream? We never really existed. And again, I think that's one of those questions that that each individual has to answer for him or herself. My feeling is that everybody in those two alternate worlds, the Winden that we experienced in season one and then the alternate Winden, they definitely existed, but then they were wiped out of existence. Right. And right. no longer exist. And the question well, is, does anybody remember? Sure. And, and we could pretty clearly say that 
Kind of is the answer to that. Yeah, I mean, I think Tannhaus's son and daughter-in-law would have to remember it. They might be the only well, ones. But but like I said, go back to Hannah, though. Well, true. Right, right, right. With the, the, the vision the, uh, the of the jacket yeah. and naming the kid Jonas yeah. and everything. So Yeah. Yeah, that's a good so, one. So kind of, I think, it seems like that they... Well, and, and this idea of of dreams and reality, I mean, that's as old as Shakespeare, even older, I'm sure. Um, you know, this idea that as a, as a human experience is dreaming, right, where it's something that is so real when you're in it, and then all of a sudden it ends and you're back in the actual world, and there's that moment there, right, where you're the, the kind of oftentimes that moment of confusion that exists as you go from dream to wake, and and you're also basically, you know, transporting between two different worlds, and you know, there's that moment where they kind of both exist at the same time for just a little brief moment, right? Um, yeah, that whole so, time standing still, right, right, which was a great song by Rush, dude. Really, I, I, I thought. All right, how can I work that into the discussion? Ah, I really I, can't. I, I, I put it in my notes, man. I, like I have to say this. <laughs> oh man, um, yeah, I just watched a a short video with Paul Reed Smith. I don't know if you know who he is. He's a guitar, guitar maker who his uh, company is on the Eastern Shore, and Alex Lifeson, who is uh, uh, one of his cool. one of his. Uh, endorsers but uh yeah. no, i just i just watched it i know we're getting off track here a little bit i'll just you know you sent me the the video of uh like tom morello and uh uh and scott ian and the brad paisley doing the uh um game of thrones game of thrones uh theme that was super cool oh yeah so um anything else you want to bring up a couple things the one so we had talked about remember the the one episode where Jonas goes, or Adam, I should say, goes into the time machine. He's got all like the black stuff on. And we said how he's like Darth Vader um, with, you know, the messed up face, then the breathing and everything. You know, he goes to, to Ava and she's like, I know why you're here. And she tries to pull the, if you strike me down, I will come back as po- more powerful. And she doesn't say that, but she basically says, you know, you're going to kill me. I know you're going to kill me and you're only going to bring about what you're trying to stop. And so it's definitely, you know, I think, once again, kind of hearkening back to Adam as as Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker, in this case, even playing the role of Obi-Wan Kenobi. I, I had watched a, uh, a podcast, um, not podcast, I'm sorry. Um, it's, uh, you know, John Green does uh, Crash Course, and, um, and they, there's a um, working through his crash course world history. And they were talking about um, India and they mentioned Buddhism. And he, he, uh, you know, when they mentioned the four noble truths about Buddhism, I'm like, whoa. I'm like, hold on. So check this out. The four noble truths of Buddhism is one, existence is suffering. Suffering has a cause naming craving, namely craving and attachment. Uh, There's a cessation of suffering, which is nirvana. 
And there's a path to the cessation of suffering, the Eightfold Path of right views, right resolve, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. Well, that's pretty so much I'm dark. Like, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, especially like we said, how that word uh, Schmerz, uh pain pops up in this show so much. Especially, you know, like you said, you, you, you got to watch this show in German. I, you know, like I said, I, I, the second time I watched it for this, I did watch it in English just because it's much easier to take notes while I'm listening to it in English. I don't have to, I can focus more on the visual aspects, but you got to watch this in the original language. And that word just keeps popping up time and time and time again. And this idea of suffering and pain is, is and, and all these characters who are trying to end the suffering and pain. And Eva, who apparently is prolonging it right she she is continuing the suffering and pain but um and you know we've gone into this before but i think ultimately her like like you said before like they 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 act out of out of love out of attachment out of craving right and and they even say that a couple times in this episode how it's this idea of attachment and and jonas says that to martha right we we keep messing this up because we're you know we don't want to give up what we love and, and I, I'm not just saying this is the first time I'd ever come into contact with the, those aspects of people. It's just been a while. Um, and to, to rehear that, and in the context of watching Dark, I was like, oh, my God, that's that's totally, that's it. Yeah, because, you know, like the, the scene you just mentioned, I mean, she's resigned to him killing her once again, almost hoping he does it so that it will perpetuate the knot. And, of course, he kind of calls her bluff this time after – an infinite number of of times so yeah all right what else you got so so some of the things that we had kind of fixed i'm not saying fixated but talked about as being very important that end up being like not important at all so number one and this pains me to say this is peter's parentage Turns out to have absolutely nothing to do with anything. Um, it was an interesting, I guess, a red herring for me to follow. I thought it was going to play a big part in the resolution. I was so sure of it and um, had nothing to do with it, really. It had yeah. nothing to do with anything. Well, you know, and, and you wonder, though, because we understand uh, how producing a television show works, that you never are certain how many episodes you're going to have to tell your story. And certainly dark was fortunate that it knew it had one more season and it, and it could do that. And, and certainly they, they do that, but you know, maybe they had an intention for some of these things, you know, the, right. like, like you said, uh, Peter's parentage, maybe they, they did plan to, you know, examine that and just, it kind of fell by the wayside because they, just simply didn't have time. Never know. So Alexander's crime and Clausen's investigation, ultimately irrelevant. Though I guess Clausen's investigation does lead him to blow up the uh, world, opening up, right, <laughs> blowing up the world, right. Um, but but you know, again, and ultimately um, that has nothing to do with well, except to give you know Jonas an impetus to become Adam. Right, I guess the whole point is Jonas has to become Adam so that Adam can flip the script 
and change shit up and then send Jonas back and teach him and learn how to use the device that he can send Jonas back to the uh, the origin world. All right, and that's kind of an irony I didn't even think about and until just now that heretofore turning into Adam has been perceived as a negative. But right. as you just pointed out, turning into Adam is crucial to severing this knot and, and putting things back in the order that is intended. So killing the kids. Why? Right. Okay. Which kids? No, no. Um, all of them. Okay. The, uh, Mads, uh, Eric Obendorf. What was the, the little, the deaf kid's name? Um, you mean killing them in the name of science or the fact that they yeah, don't well, exist anymore? Like, well, I mean, just, to the, the, well, they might exist. Well, Mads, not, but, you know, Eric Obendorf, it certainly doesn't seem any reason he wouldn't be able to now live a happy life until he gets thrown in jail. Oh, right. Um, yeah, you know, but it's just this, you know, this this whole big thing, like the, 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 everything that drove season one, you know, like this investigation to why these kids were dying, like, well, why why was noah doing you know and then if you look at the alt world especially where the only kid that well i guess is eric missing too eric is missing in the alt. yeah world, yeah because we see his yes. poster right okay so eric and mads are missing but and again we heart we only i think we only have like one brief scene with alt noah so that whole thing is basically like Okay, so what was the point of all that? Yeah, well, that goes back to what I said either last, yeah, I guess last week that, yeah, I, I felt like things got rushed a little bit and it would have been nice to flesh some of those scenes in the alternate world out. But at, at the end, does it really matter? I mean, they were. No, I'm not saying yeah. that. But it's just like, yeah. it's just like, so certain things where, where it ended, you're just like, wait, hold on. Like, <laughs> there's certain things that kind of. One answers to, and, and they don't really, um, you know, the origin. Why is the origin, or the no one, or whatever, the, you know, Marta and Jonas's kid, why, why is he killing all these people? That totally does not really get an explanation. Right. Now, and we assume that's at Eva's behest. Well, yeah. Right, so. But why is she just having to kill people? Yeah. Like, if she's trying to, like, you know, make sure the timelines continue. Why didn't she like send them back to make sure like the kid whose parents promised he gets ice cream, that make sure he gets ice cream. Well, I guess or that there's some old lady's got to cross the road, make sure she gets across the road. No, it's like, go back and kill people. Well, maybe go back to the chess metaphor. And, and these are pawns that have to be sacrificed every time. And, and as is pointed out in this, finale what's going to happen is always going to happen it might happen slightly differently it might happen at a different time but it's going to happen i mean i know that's really still doesn't answer your question of why she yeah. kills those people no i mean i i get that you know yeah. like that eva was just trying to make sure the timeline uh continued i i don't, I don't necessarily get what was the point of all all that killing yeah. You know, except for, I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, I get that 
she's trying to make sure the timeline continues. But like it seems, it was especially like Claudia's secretary, like that. That didn't seem to really have any kind of that we saw any effect on anything else. She just happened to be in the office when the cleft lip guy showed up and they killed her. Right. No connection to the four families other than the fact that she worked for Claudia or, or right. Regina. Regina. Claudia. 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 Yeah. She worked for Claudia. Right. Regina runs a hotel. All right. And was a teenager. So, yeah. So that was, that was like, I'm sure I'll probably like, you know, I'll, about 20 minutes from now, I'll probably be like, you know, sitting down, like thinking of like 10 other things that I thought, you know, were expected to be resolved. Just one more thing I should say is that at the end, they play a cover of, uh, what a wonderful world, oh. which is obviously just oh a gosh. beautiful song. Oh. Um, but my first day at Canisius, the president of the college, Father Dembski, uh, he, he was actually a trombone player as well. So at the end of his comments to the freshman class, uh, he he ended up seeing What a Wonderful World and playing on his trombone. It was really cool. So I was thinking about Father Dembski when I hear that song. All right. And that was a great version that they used in yeah, this episode, it was awesome. by the way. Uh, last but not least at least until I see something else. Um, when At the end, when we're in the Conwald house there, right, there's a picture on the wall of Claudia, Regina, and some old dude. I guess it's supposed to be Egon, but I don't think it really looked well, like well, Egon. Well, yeah, and, and that's my conclusion, that it's Egon because he doesn't die. He, he's not pushed against the wall or, you know, I forget exactly, you know, I know it was an accident when claudia kills him but he doesn't die in 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 that timeline so i i guess i felt like like you it doesn't really look like him but who else would it be right so okay that's i was just wondering if you yeah had, okay so i just I, I did you get like a, a big oa vibe from that like when they were in the the weird when Jonas and Marta are in the the weird place. Well, I, I definitely did. I mean, also a two thousand one, a space odyssey vibe. Um, I'm probably going to use an image from that experience in the blog post. I, I've captured a couple of them that that look pretty good. So, so yeah. I, I mean, again, from a special effects, if you really break it down. Well, okay. Clearly, they're just both standing in front of a green screen and what, but it doesn't matter. It was still cool. Okay. Anything else? Um, I think that, well, except for the, you know, the, when the youngest cleft lip kid oh. gives Martha like a big hug and it's like, <laughs> she's like, I don't, I don't know. I get like you're my kid, but I'm not just feeling that maternal like well, element right well, now. Well, right, and she she doesn't really <laughs> reciprocate in in, right. in any meaningful way, and and you understand that's a lot to process. So yeah. All right. Well, why don't we move on to some listener feedback? And we heard from Dan S, who says, "Hey, Dave and Wayne." 307 might have been my favorite episode of the series. And, and, you know, we mentioned last time because of the way we're recording, the feedback doesn't always match up with right. the episode that we're talking about. So Dan says, when I started watching this episode, I was laughing at the sheer ridiculousness of the nonlinear structure. 
How many shows do you think could switch between 25 time periods in one episode and still tell a cohesive narrative? This show is insane. And he has provided us with, and I'm not going to read them all, but the order of events, 1970s, 2020 to 1974 to 2021 to 1890 to 2023, you get the idea. And, you know, some of them were in the montage, but so what? It's still something that the, the viewer has to has to deal with. He says, this was a roller coaster of an episode. I was in tears watching the kidnapping scene, scared out of my wits seeing young Adam and in shock at seeing Claudia kill her alt self. Yeah, that was a, uh, yeah, you know, it was a great scene. I mean, it's on the one hand, you like what she did. On the other hand, you're horrified what she did. Right, right, right. Well, and, and, you know, where, you know, we're we're seeing, or it, you know, at least recently, uh, especially, you've seen like a lot of our you know characters that we kind of invested in uh, get killed. Yeah, that was that was a hard one to take. Yeah, uh, he says, I really hope you enjoyed this episode, and I think it's likely you will not be disappointed by the finale. And you know, as as you've heard in this discussion, we, Dan, we, were, we not. were not. So, thanks, Dan. So this one is from. Uh, uh johnny from ohio he said hey dave and wayne i agree with your initial feedback on episode six the show did start to feel too complex just for the sake of it especially on the first watch now i had some time to sit on it i like the symbolism of the three seasons in relation to the knot the closer we the audience and the characters get to it the more and more complicated and tangled the knot becomes uh, the buildup of the series to being able to jump between timelines and worlds for what felt like 20 plus times in episode seven to show the final threads of the knot was fun to watch. Yeah. And that's, as you just said, that's completely agree with that one. Um, I think the ending will be decisive for a lot of people, but the way they keep it open enough for interpretation is what I like most about it. It's a happy and sad ending at the same time that fans can discuss theories around for a long time. Is this scene at the end that the dinner table caught in another knot? Is it a guarantee that the Tan House will eventually invent time travel at some point, causing another night? Right. And, and or see, is it- and I'm sorry, because that's kind of what I was trying to articulate, that Tan House is this genius scientist, and even though he doesn't need to invent a time machine to go back and you know save his son, might he invent it? For some other reason, and uh, you know what's going to happen is going to happen. I don't know. All right, sorry. Right. Well, if you know, if we go with this idea that people do things out of attachments and out of suffering, well, he, he has his attachments, and he's not suffering, so he has no reason. Well, to, but his to, his wife left him. So. Yeah, but yeah, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, good thing your wife doesn't listen to the podcast. But yeah, go good ahead. thing I can get away with a lot. All right, uh, or I'll, I'll go back. Um, is it a guarantee the Tan House will eventually invent time travel at some point, causing another knot, or is it a straightforward ending where HG Tan House will never know his time travel worked and saved his family? And that's kind of what I agree with. Also, once you are finished with everything, I hope you're able to check out some of the stuff on the dark subreddit. People have done truly creative posts. One user you slash awesome what i wanted to point out did amazing work on creating charts showing different characters journeys and then he lists right and we'll we'll put uh these links on the facebook group for sure 
So fantastic work on season three, guys. Thank you, Johnny. Thanks, Johnny from Ohio. All right. Well, I mentioned that we heard from Dan a couple of weeks back, and, and you know he had let us know that if we hadn't seen the finale, don't you know don't read his email, don't watch the video. But he says, thanks for the hours of entertainment. I thoroughly enjoyed listening to your podcast along with Mild Fuzz and Digesting Dark, who seem to be the only English-speaking podcasts about Dark. After being blown away by that finale, I played around with construction paper to try to piece together how the show's timeline could possibly exist. And I think I came to a theory that works pretty well. I just posted my first video to a YouTube account that I set up today. It's an explainer video describing my conclusion. I'm looking forward to your finale discussion, and I'm particularly interested to see how you interpret the timeline. I'd love to know what you think about my theory, and he gives us the link to the six-minute video, which I think he posted it in the Facebook group, but if not, I'll certainly post it there. But one of the things I love about Dan's video is, and Dan would make a fantastic teacher, is that it's simple and to the point. And mm-hmm. he keeps it at six minutes and there's nothing that you don't know. And, you know, I, I think explaining the two timelines that, you know, we, we thought were all we were dealing with, uh, you know, once we were, you know, once we learned about alternate Winden, and then of course, once we learn about the actual origin world and the accident from, you know, Tannhaus's explosion Again, he just does a wonderful job of really simplifying what can be complex. And I think it's just one of those, you know, I said at the beginning, show, don't tell. This is the perfect combination of showing and telling. So, Dan, great work, and thanks for the feedback. Yeah, thank you. All right. So I got one here from Cincinnati Joe. So, my wife and I really enjoyed the series. So ambitious and complicated. It's amazing it ended as well as it did, even if it wasn't perfect. Uh, there are a number of unanswered questions. Some were perhaps intentional. For example, Alexander showing up in Winden, the way he did, turned out to be unrelated to the time travel stories after all. And we did talk about that, yeah. Um, there were others they probably didn't have time for or decide weren't important enough to spend their last minutes on. And actually, I can attest to that because in, in that... Um, that interview with uh, Yanta Frisia and, and Baron Odar, they specifically addressed that saying that there were just certain things that ended up on the, on the editing room floor. And that was just kind of like, the, you know, as, as a way that they, they wanted to stick to the main story and they realized that, you know, chasing after every loose thread was not going to be helpful. So was Helge really Peter's father? If so, how slash who was his mother. I like the how, especially. We've repeated that question a number of times. Uh, What happened to Agnes? How did Noah leave 2041? And why did he take Elizabeth with him? Those are all some excellent questions for which we will never get the answer. Uh, Unless Dave's uh, spinoff happens. Right. Um, The one thing that seemed weak to me was the unknown. Why didn't he have a name if Martha loved him so much? That's a good, good question. Uh, why do these? Why do three versions of him travel together? Which, actually, when I thought about that, I'm like, that might have explained why you know he and Agnes didn't really stay together. You know, like you can imagine it's their creation of Tronte. She's like, can you just can you send the other two out of the room just for a little bit? Well, you know? we also get the the whole Trinity 
uh, imagery throughout the series, whether it's the sure. 33-year thing, whether it's the Triketo, which you know seems yeah. to resonate with Adam there at the end, you know, the, the three world. So the fact that the three of them always appear together, I mean, it's almost as if it represents that progression of life and, and that, that we see it and are forced to think about it every time we see this group. Sure. Okay. So sounds good. Um, you know, the other thing he says, uh, how did Noah leave 2041 and why didn't he take Elizabeth with him? I mean, I guess because of the age thing, we see Elizabeth in 2052 later with her, you know, band of, uh, Raiders or whatever. So do they leave 2041? I mean, do they just live out their life and, you know, that's yeah. Uh, I, well, th- th- that right. That's just ultimately something we just are absolutely not getting the answer to at, at all. Right. You and, and, and you know, I wonder whether fans are more tolerant now about plot threads left unaddressed. That m- right. most people understand that a show well, like Dark. I, I mean, it's just that kind of thing's going to happen. Yeah, well, and, and dare we forget, Noah got killed. Right. So he might have had necessarily every intention to go back and, you know, return to Elizabeth, but he was, you know, like kind of killed, and which prevented that from happening, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, and, and again, he's that the age that he is with, he's Elizabeth in 2041. That seems like about the age he is when he's killed. So, anyway. But yeah, again, just someone that can get. So let me, let me finish up. Let's see. Why did three versions of him travel together? When and why did he hook up with Agnes in the prime world to Father Tronte? Uh, while he was effectively creepy, his role as the origin and center of the knot was strange enough without these extra oddities about him. Well, we're sad the show is over. I hope you find something good to talk about next. Cincinnati Joe. Um, why he hooks up with Agnes? Well, She's kind of hot, right? She's I mean, hot. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's you know, goes without saying. I mean, yeah. she does kill her brother in cold blood, but outside of that, yeah. well, you know, that maybe not everything that uh, you know that Eva sent him to do was you know entirely not pleasurable. You know, like she says, "All right, you got to kill all these guys, but then you're going to get to go back and have sex with Agnes." So you know, it, it kind of evens out a little bit i guess yeah but uh but thank you everybody for the feedback uh appreciate it and and you know we'll talk about what we're going to do next uh in a couple minutes but let's hear what fred's got for us this week and we will be right back hello dave and wayne and all listeners to sci-fi tv rewatch this is fred from the netherlands with some feedback for dark season three episode eight the season three and series finale First off, I want to give a short reaction to your podcast about episode 6. And about episode 7, I can't react to that because it's not out yet. In the episode 6 podcast, you were talking about the haircut that Marta takes. Cuts several inches of her hair. Why? Again, is that some sort of symbolic act? I mean, I know we know she has to do it because we've seen her in the future with it cut. I mean, I think that I I know of of instances where um, you know females being in a state of agitation have then taken it out on their own hair. 
Well, Roy, because there is a loss of control that's in play for her. And in addition to the loss of innocence that we were talking about a few minutes ago, as you said, cutting your hair, it's it's not an act of finality. It'll grow back. Right. So, exactly. yeah, yeah, I think you're on to something there. Well, I don't think you're on to something there, Wayne. I think she just cut her hair because it was full, at least the end point of her hair, full with Jonas's blood. When Jonas died, she bent over to him and she tried to wash her hands and she threw away the yellow coat. So she just wants to get rid of all Jonas's blood. And the simplest and quickest way was just to cut it. I think you read too much into that. After first watching episode 8, I was completely dissatisfied. I didn't like it and I thought, what the heck. I didn't understand it actually, because I thought, okay, Jonas is not right. Yeah, he is the product of Mikkel who traveled back in time. But why Marta? Marta is just a daughter of Katharina and Ulrich, just like Mikkel and Magnus. But if you then realize that everything originates in the child of Martha and Jonas, so alt Martha and prime Jonas, by the cleft lip guy, and the cleft lip guy is then the father of Tronte, and there everything starts, and Tronte as well is in the prime universe as in the alt universe, then when you see the last scene, you understand who all had to vanish. Because if you just think of Jonas... If Jonas doesn't impregnate Marta and the cleft lip guy doesn't exist, then Tronte doesn't exist, then Ulrich doesn't exist, and then also Marta doesn't exist, and many, many other figures. But I really had to watch a analysis video on YouTube to really understand this all. Pete Peppers has a nice set of four analysis videos you can watch. And of course, there are many other analysis videos, but the ones of Pete Peppers I like a lot. There is one that follows the pendant. There is one about the pedigrees. That is one about the explanation of the ending and one about how did Claudia know it all. And of course, I'm very angry at the makers of Dark, just as in the last season with the calendar. Now it's with the watch. I really spent too much time analyzing this watch, but this was very probably, and it didn't come back in the last episode either, a continuity error. But still quite angry that just the watch that Henrich Tannhaus used was different than um, the other watch because the rest of the watches are actually all the same. Just Heinrich Tannhaus's watch was different. And the idea that it got lost between season one and three is not true because the two watches are in just one episode. Of course, you don't know when it's filmed, but still, it's all season three. I think the makers just can't do something like that. Especially about a object that is so often seen in the series. Same is a little bit true for the pendant, by the way, because they're also, you can see two pendants more or less. One is very clear, crisp, and one is very blurry and, let's say, used. But then that can just be the time it has been in the possession of somebody. Another thing what did upset me is that 
Regina is not a child of Tronte, although it was in Eva's pedigree. But, okay, that's another thing. Eva could have thought that when she made that pedigree on the floor, on the marble floor, that Regina was Tronte's child. On the other hand, Regina being Burns and Claudia's child makes the scene that when young Claudia comes to the Doppler house to give Tronte extra lessons, that Baron Doppler offers her quite some money for Tronte's lessons. It gets a little creepy if you think of that scene back and then knowing that later they will be a couple and get a child like Regina. A question about this I have is, was Regina always the child of Bernd and Claudia, also in the prime world and the alt world, like in the original world? Now we have three worlds. This makes, by the way, Regina and Peter that are sitting at the table in the end scene half-cousins, because Claudia and Helga then become half-brother and half-sister. Unless, in the original world, Helge is not Baron's child, as in the other two worlds, but of a certain Anatole Valiev. I want to finish up with a little genetic nitpick, that if this cleft-lipped guy has sex with two Agneses in both worlds, that this results in two Trontes, who are more or less copies because it would be very unlikely that the sperms he delivers to these two Agneses are exactly the same. It's, it's not impossible, but very unlikely with millions of sperms. So the two Trontes should have been different guys. But, of course, that doesn't make the story very nice. Although my critical comments in this feedback were quite some, I... Of course, like this series a lot. And I liked doing the analysis together with you. And I want to thank you for the opportunity you gave me to give sometimes a little longer feedback. And I'm very curious what you are going to do after dark. Strong as if she shouts, oh, Ariadne, I'm coming. I just need to work this maze inside my head. I came to like you asked, I killed the beast. And I'm also wondering what you will do with the header of your Facebook page, because that's about dark now. Greets, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. All right. Um, obviously, Fred's not happy with the way the things with the watch turned out, and and again, it, it's, you know, I don't want to go as far as calling it a Chekhov's gun syndrome, but they did seem to imply that there was a lot more importance to that pocket watch than we really get an answer for, you know, at the end of the show. So, yeah. I, you know, and I guess we could say the same for the medallion, the... Um, the fennig and and yeah i guess it just is what it is and and we'll have to we'll have to live with it um you know fred pretty much nails the whole origin you know with the unknown cleft lip dude so that uh 
you know, well, yeah, there's a couple. He, he mentioned genetics, and you know, having a, a daughter who was born with a cleft palate, cleft soft palate. I know that that is a genetic thing. So, you know, I thought he was going to say it, it. It would be likely that at least one of his descendants would also have cleft lip or cleft palate if he had it. You know. Um, now he mentions uh, Pete Peppers as one of the YouTube. Uh, content providers that i've i've seen you know his videos i mean i haven't watched them but i see them pop up anytime i enter dark in my youtube search window which has been not as frequent lately because like we said i don't want to get spoiled so i will definitely check out pete peppers uh you know the four that you mention and and hopefully he does as good a job as dan did in keeping things concise um well, I just like you know because he, he kind of called us out on on Marta wash or cutting her hair. I'm sorry, and you know he said she did to get the blood. I'm like, well, you know, honestly, washing your hair is probably going to be your you know number one way of of getting blood out. Um, I, I I definitely still see her cutting her hair as an act of of grief and frustration. Sure. No, I, um, I agree with you, and and yeah, and, and I'm sticking by my guns on that one. And, and we do see the, the the scene where Martha has clearly just come out of the shower. I mean, she's fully dressed, but at first I'm like, "Geez, what are those spots on her t-shirt?" And then I realize, well, her hair's still wet, and it's it's right. touching her t-shirt, and and that's you know so. So yeah, I'm with you, uh, Wayne. I, I I think she could have just as easily washed it, and 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 like you said, I mean, I think that was a, a symbolic act. So, uh, you know, but Fred, um, I, I guess but hold on, hold on, hold on, okay, no, go no, ahead. Yeah, that's a couple of things to say. Um, well, one thing is, you know, that I, I think part of this whole the you know the the characters that are wiped out. It's all the characters that are like their own relative and things like that we know even though alt marta is not jonas's aunt alt marta is her own great grandmother jonas is his own great great grandfather so that that crazy that whole all that insanity will just boom you know that 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 is what all the all that's eliminated by the i'm not gonna say reset but by you know by by saving Tanhouse's son, so and, and then uh, last but not least, uh, did did they suggest that Byrne was Regina's dad? Did I miss something there? You know what the if you go to the official dark website and, and they've got the family trees up there, it's they verify it there. So Ugh. yeah, I know icky well okay. i mean oh, okay it would be icky if i mean because we see you know at first when she's to- you know, tutoring it's it's icky yeah you're right period yeah okay <laughs> yeah you know, i mean like granted yes later obviously she you know that when they get together she is older but it still doesn't change the fact that that kid was your kid's tutor yeah and so that's icky we'll leave it at that so, um, but Fred, I guess I would just, you know, if it's any solace, uh, it was a lot of fun looking at your investigations of the different incarnations of the watch. And I, and I certainly understand the frustration, but you know, 
you gave it your all, and in the end, Yante Frisian, Baron Bo Odar, beat you this time. A plus. I mean, w- w- I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I mean, I, I, I think I'm ultimately going to go to the A plus. I, I. So here's here's actually what happened. The first time I watched it, I had a reaction much like Fred's. I didn't like it. I thought the you know, just the big, it was just a big reset button, it seemed to me. And it's funny that they they have the, you know, the characters kind of blip out of existence, just like in, in Infinity War. Well, I loved Infinity War always. Endgame, not so much. The first time I saw Endgame, Avengers Endgame, I was not crazy about it. I came out of the movie theater, and actually my son and I were arguing about it because I didn't really like it. And he was telling me that I was an idiot for not liking it. And then I went back and watched it a second time. Actually, I've probably seen it two or three times now. Um, and I was able to appreciate it much more on the rewatch. And that definitely occurred with this episode. If you asked me after the first time I watched it, what I would give, I would probably say maybe even like a B minus. Oh, or a my C. God. Right, right. See, because I was just so reacting to what I saw, thought was an overly facile like resolution. And then going back and, and watching it the second time, like, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Now, it just made much more sense. So, yes, A-plus for it. Absolutely. Okay. And I had a similar reaction, maybe not as, as strong as yours, in that for all the complexity of the first, I should know how many episodes there were, uh, 27, 27 episodes, I was expecting maybe a little more complexity in the ending and... I thought, all right, well, that all makes sense, uh, you know, within the context of the world that they've created here. But then as you start thinking like, well, okay, well, why did this character not uh, survive? And and again, I don't want to get hung up too much on those me- kind of mechanical things because I, I think the, the, the bigger picture is – Again, as you've said many times, it's about the people and the human condition and and you know the lives that these people have led and and you know, what they're striving for in their daily lives it's just so much more meaningful. So all of that stuff is cool and it it, it helps tell this story, but you know, at the end of the day, I think there are a number of lessons that we we take away and. Yeah, well, just the 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 like I said, when especially looking at through the lens of of Buddhism, and this idea of how life is suffering, and that suffering comes from desire, and that the way to end it is through right actions and right words and everything. I mean that that could almost totally opened up like dark to me, right there. Yep. All right. Well. Um I guess we'll never say never because who knows what we'll sure. do in the future. But for now, that will you know close our dark discussion. And you're probably wondering what we're going to do next. And we are going to take a look at the NBC Peacock series, Brave New World. We are fully aware that NBC Peacock is a pay streaming service but then again it seems everything these days is and you know it's arguably one of the most important science fiction books ever written 
there have been a number of horrific films made <laughs> with its name on the title. Yeah. Hopefully this will do a better job than the past and and you know without going into any more detail, I, you know, it's certainly got an impressive cast and I would just encourage you to not waste your time. Uh unfortunately Fred went back and and I think it watched the, the the shows and believe me they are not worth the 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 time of, of your life to 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 do it if you were going to spend that time you would probably be much better served of ordering the book on Amazon or your other favorite retailers and uh and uh reading Aldous Huxley's uh, Brave New World cool so all right well let's leave it there um that's going to do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch I want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Dark. Obviously, there's a lot to think about and say. Anything else going on in genre TV, join the Facebook group if you haven't already. If you want to shoot us an email, the address is sci-fi-tv-rewatch at gmail.com. We'll be back next time to discuss the series premiere of the NBC Peacock dystopian classic Brave New World titled Pilot. But until then... Yeah, Dave. Every journey has a beginning, but yours has no end. It goes on forever and ever. I'm here to make your journey finally come to an end, which is what I've just done.